Good afternoon and welcome to Channel 17 Town Meeting Television. We are so pleased to be starting our election coverage for the general election on November 6th. And we're pleased that you could join us here for the Williston Forum. We have with us today Joy Limoges and Kathleen O'Ryan and Terry McKaig and John, uh, Jim McCullough. And um, Terry and Jim are incumbents and they are being challenged um, for two seats. So we are very happy to have you all here. Thank you. And we invite your calls at 862-3966. And perhaps Megan can turn the audio monitor down because the echo is a little distracting. So um, please feel free to give us a call, as I said, at 862-3966. All right, so we're going to start with opening statements. And uh, Joy Lamoche, could you tell us why you're running and what experience you bring to the position? Thank you for having me. My name is Joy Lamoche, and I'm running for state representative because I want to make a difference. I've lived in Vermont most of my life and I'm a 20 plus year resident of Williston, having served on numerous boards and uh, the town band planning commission and currently serving my second term on the select board. I'm a practicing attorney with offices in Williston, handling residential and commercial real estate, estates, Uniform Commercial Code Law, and I have the priv privilege of serving as general counsel for a number of area businesses. I've watched a steady and continual rise in taxes over the past years with no changes in sight. And unless we change our current leadership and bring back some balance into state government, there will be no change in the continual rising cost of living. I'm running to make a difference in being, bring back prosperity to Vermonters. Thank you very much for that concise opening statement. Kathleen O'Ryan, why are you running and what qualifies you for the legislative seat of Williston? At the time that I made a decision to run, um, there were two incumbents, a Democratic Party, and nothing. So I decided, oh boy, <laughs> I just uh, wanted to jump right in there and run, so I did. And um, my qualifications are that I w I'm a former member of the Green Party National Committee, and I did run in Virginia when I lived there for a, the exact same position um, in Virginia, it was a much bigger deal, although I did manage to get 30% from um, someone who had been in politics his whole life and his family in politics their whole lives, all the way back generations. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to say, I don't think, right now. Are there issues in particular that are driving you? Yes. Okay, well, we'll hear about them, I think, when we go to the questions. Wonderful. Terry McKeg, why are you running re for re-election to the House? <clears throat> well, thank you for uh, having this forum, Channel 17 and, and you. Uh, so I'm a 52-year resident of the town of Williston, uh, and giving back to the town for over 40 years as a um, in the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, the Little League Girls softball, uh, 27 years as the town health officer, 17 years on the select board in Williston, 13 uh, in the, pa the past 13 is the chair of the, of the select board. I've been president of the Williston Historical Society. And I think my voting record will show that um, I deserve to be reelected. Um, I've been a state representative now for 10 years. I have a 100% record on environmental issues. Uh, same thing on labor issues, including the minimum wage and family leave, which uh, we passed uh, last year but was vetoed. Uh, I have a good record on equal pay for equal work, 
for clean water and air, economic development and affordability, renewable energy, uh, climate change, medically assisted treatment for uh, our criminal uh, population, and as well as con some consumer protection things. So I think uh, I'd like to continue working on most of those issues. Thank you so much. Jim McCullough, why are you running for re-election? Hi, Lauren. Thank you very much um, for inviting uh, Representative McKagan, myself, and the rest of us here today. I'm, I'm standing for re-election uh, to the House of Representatives from Williston uh, because I have experience in the town of Williston. I, I understand the values of uh, my constituents in the town, my neighbors, the people I live and work with. Uh, I've lived in Williston, as we say, all my life so far, and uh, uh, and have served actually uh, the town uh, since the '60s on various committees, commissions, positions, and so on. I have a real understanding, I think, of what Williston people want, and. I believe that that fits really well with what I want. My environmental record is spotless in the state of Vermont. My, my, um, my economic development one is as well, uh, with uh, the promotion specifically of renewable energy some years ago, which has been driving our, our bus here in many different ways. Um, economically as well as importantly. So I, I am doing a good job, I'm having a good time, and um, I really do uh, hope everyone else uh, supports that thesis. All right, thank you very much. I just want to remind our viewers, you can feel free to give us a call at 862-3966 if you have questions for the candidates running for the House, um, the Vermont House from, which district is it? Two, Chittenden Two. Chittenden Two. Um, to the Vermont legislature. So um, Kathleen, we're going to start with you. This is a question about the economy. According to Forbes magazine, Vermont's economic outlook is projected to be the second worst in the U.S. over the next five years, while income growth is expected to lag behind the rest of the country. Do you agree with this assessment? And what do you recommend as a plan of action to strengthen Vermont's economic outlook? Um, so my, uh, I did not mention this, but uh, another factor in my deciding to run uh, was the fact that the president um, was asking his supporters to run. And when I found that out, that really is what pushed me into this. Um, as far as the economy goes, um, I believe it was yesterday or possibly the day before, um, NAFTA is gone now and there is a new, um, treaty, I'm not sure what you would call it, but it's an agreement um, between Mexico, the United States, and Canada in which um, I believe the, the tariff barriers will be coming down. I'm not sure about that, but basically it's, it's a, um, a union for the purpose of saving everybody uh, tariff money and uh, helping the three different nations to um, trade easily and fairly. Um, so the reason why um, I chose to run was primarily because I was asked to, and in each instance that I've run, I have been asked to do so. Um, as far as the actual economy goes, I believe that um, having 
the tariffs uh, and the barriers to trade reduced will help. Um, I, I can't see anything but um, good coming from that. Um, I'm not an expert in um, economy, but um, that seems to me to be a very good reason to, uh, to believe in the future. Okay, thank you very much. Terry McKegg, what's your view on how to create a sustainable economy in Vermont? So unless we do something different, uh, we're, we will do what Forbes says we're going to do. So we need to work on economic development, which we have done in the past number of years. We also need to work on workforce development to train uh, our younger folks in the, in the jobs that are uh, essentially essential and they're very much needed right now in the state. We also need to work on giving people better pay, good pay, which goes along with the, uh, the minimum wage increase and uh, the proposal was to increase it to 15 bucks in, an hour in 2024. So we're not talking about tomorrow or the, or the next year, but we're talking about uh, a process. Also, we need to uh, think about giving people benefits. Why, are, why won't people come to Vermont? Because we're not giving them what they need. We're not giving them good pay or benefits. So if we do that, I think we can reverse the trend that we have seen in the past number of years and prevent uh, Forbes from being right. All right, thank you very much. Jim McCullough, your action plan for Vermont's economy. Well, first, before the action plan, uh, I'm going to address the source. Forbes magazine represents um, the, the, the part of the rigged system that does not work for um, people in this country, and I would say does not work specifically for Vermonters. Um, <laughs> I read once in, in, in Forbes magazine that I'm supposed to be earning 10 times as a wage, um, 10 times my age. My goodness, I, I, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> well, maybe not quite that old. But um, so I discount their projection. Vermont right now is one of the best in unemployment records in the country. We have some of the best educational outcomes in the country. Um, and yes, our governor has vetoed um, a number of bills that would be attracting young talent into this country. Um, minimum wage, uh, paid family leave, um, sick, sick leave. These are things that turn our economy around with bright young minds from people from out of state and keep bright young Vermonters in state. And uh, that coupled with uh, an aggressive approach to our renewable energy, which is going to continue to help solve climate change, um, Forbes will be scratching their head and going, what happened with that one? Thank you so much. Joy Limoges. I think that Vermont has a spending problem and a regulation problem, pure and simple. We continue to raise our taxes beyond what is sustainable. And I'd like to see Vermont become more business friendly, less overly regulated, and spending reined in. We actually have a $60 million surplus, um, yet our legislators continue to push for more taxes, including my two opponents. I note that almost every question presented to us to review tonight involves more spending, and we simply can't be doing that anymore. I'd like to get rid of the du duplicative spending, reduce burdensome and unnecessary regulation, <coughs> overhaul existing programs, and provide adequate oversight to thereby lowering spending and alleviate the need for raising taxes. And how would you make some difficult decisions? 
about what to cut? I'm not talking about cutting so much as looking at the programs that are out there and finding out what's duplicative, what's working, what's not, and readjusting that. I think by doing that, you're going to find you actually have more money that you need that can be allocated to other issues that are at hand. Thank you. Let's you're take this call. Good evening. Do you have a question for the candidates? Uh, yes, I, I do have a question. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm happy to hear one of the candidates refer to cutting cost in Williston and in Vermont as opposed to simply pouring more taxes at the issues that are perceived and real in some cases. I've heard a lot do of... You have a oh. Do you have a question? Yes, my question is, what exactly are we looking to do with, with taxes in the state of Vermont, and what type of programs will be offered to cut costs for those that are already here, rather than focusing on those that are not here yet? And what taxes in particular are you concerned about? Uh, property tax. Um, I would also say that the uh, room and meals tax in the state of Vermont affects a lot of people that are deciding whether to go out to eat or not at over 10%, which I think is ludicrous. Um, any type of taxes that are on consumables, any way to help families cut the uh, expenditures from their hard-earned uh, income. All right. Thank you very much for calling. You're welcome. We're going to start with you, Terry, on that question. So um, how would you approach cutting taxes? making Vermont more affordable for working families? So if, you, uh, if you're going to cut taxes, then you're going to cut programs and you have to decide what programs are not essential to, uh, to folks in the state of Vermont. Um, the caller said he was not interested in uh, the people who might be coming to Vermont, the people uh, that he's interested in the people that are here. If you look at the uh, sales and use tax uh, here, um, it's not unusual, it's not exorbitant, it's less than certainly uh, New York State, it's certainly less than New ha uh, Massachusetts, uh, it's higher than New Hampshire because I don't have it, but if you go out to eat in New Hampshire, you'll find out you're, you're paying essentially the same thing uh, for uh, the tax rate there for uh, so-called bed and belly taxes. So um, I don't think we're that far off. Uh, I'd. Uh, be happy to hear what the caller has to say is about what he'd like to see cut. He was talking about property taxes, rooms and meals, and consumables. And the property tax is really dependent upon your own town as to uh, how much you want to spend on education. So it's a self-inflicted wound, um, essentially. The, there's a, only so much money in the education fund, and we all know what that is. And then. The town um, school board's budget, what they think is proper, and the citizens vote either up or down. So, Jim, there's a concern here about spending mm -hmm. and uh, manifested in tax tax rates. Right. So, what's your approach to this question of how can we spend less? Well, I'm a I'm a business person, Lauren, and and I I have learned throughout the years of that you can you only can cut so much and stay in business. And the state of Vermont is incredibly frugal in spite of the urban legend that we're hearing um, uh, from, from people from time to time. Uh, the education tax is really the tax I think the caller's calling about. Um, the state aid to education, we're working on that with Act 46, with consolidating um, uh, 
throughout the town, throughout the town regions for education. I believe that's going to be bearing fruit and will help the cost of the state aid to education. Rooms and meals tax is totally discretionary. Um, and it's also, I would point out, uh, is important for Vermonters because people who come here as a, a tourist state and help us pay for our government. As far as helping Vermonters versus uh, be here versus people away, I think giving $10,000 to people who would like to move here um, was a grandstand move by the governor and we really should be helping people who live here like our Vermont National Guard, which we voted to help them with their education taxes. So um, okay. we're always looking under rocks. Thank you very much. Joy Lamoche. I go back to the comment I just made. I don't think it's necessarily about cutting programs. I think it's about looking at seeing what's working, what isn't, what's duplicative, what's not. Um, and there, like I said, there's a $60 million surplus um, sitting in the state right now. And as far as I'm concerned, Caller was correct. I mean, there should have been some tax relief of some sort going back to Vermonters. Okay, thank you very much. <coughs> Kathleen O'Ryan, your view on tax, tax policy in Vermont and what could we be cutting? Well, I think to look at it uh, in terms of cutting rather than realizing what's going on nationally um, through the president who is bringing the economy back to life, um, who is right now uh, probably running, regardless of what CBS, NBC, and, and the rest of the um, so-called mainstream news is saying, I believe that the actual fact is that he is vastly supported. And the reason, one of the reasons for that is that he is trying his very best to get us back in gear again, and he is succeeding. Um, so. Like I said, that was really my whole reason for running is that I am an ardent Trump supporter. And um, as far as this state goes, um, I believe we started off with a, a negative premise, if I remember correctly, your statement. So I don't really believe that that's necessary. Um, I do know that um, the economy right now, there is in Vermont right now, that I think the unemployment is at less than 10% maybe even less than 6%. So we don't really need to worry about that part. As far as taxes go, I don't know a whole lot about taxes, frankly. I know that you pay a lot of them the more money you make, but um, I'm just in here to sort of fill the space and occupy time and space and try to do my best. I think the unemployment rate's 2.8%. Yeah, right. So Lauren, a, a redirect if I could. Um, I'd like to talk about the, the the governor's idea of two years ago, and it's just resurfaced today at this table, that we can find money that we need through efficiencies and duplicative programming. And that's what the governor ran on two years ago. And um, so those have dollars have question? not been found. Um, and, and a good point, in, a case in point is, he um, closed down the the um, the taxation, which happens every one uh, every three years for for um, the fee bill. Uh, that that's not finding duplicative monies or programs. We're borrowing money for water quality because he couldn't find money to pay the water quality bills, um, and the sixty million dollars. Good business says spend it on past 
do debt, not on short-term uh, pleasure, which was uh, th the legislature said, we want to pay down past debt and save multiple, multiple millions over the years by doing that versus um, giving a check for $60 million out at the moment. Joy, do you want to respond? I do. Representative, Representative McCulloch, it's not just the governor who has to find that savings. It's the legislature as a whole. Your track record shows a continual pattern of anything that's taxation for revenue streams. That's just not going to work for Vermonters anymore. They can't afford anymore. I too am a business person continually looking at my bottom line, continually looking at how we're spending money and what's working and what's not, and continually making adjustments. You know, as a legislature, as a whole body, you should be doing that, not looking to one person to provide those answers. So let's move on to the climate change question. How can Vermont turn climate change to its advantage? And Jim, why don't we start with you? Fine. I'm, I'm, that's a really kind of a good question for me because I try to um, turn everything into a silver lining. Uh, climate change um, is hard to imagine how we can turn it into an advantage, but the resiliency that we're n needing to um, discover for, for um, our rivers and streams and lakes um, is now being, now being realized because of climate change, um, which is going to end up with better water quality statewide. Uh, climate change has also brought forth um, the need for, for more and cheaper electricity. And, and, and that's working through renewable energies, uh, as well as the need for uh, better standards for insulation for businesses and homes. Uh, that's going to end up being a, a bonus of climate change uh, for the state of Vermont. We have a real concern in the state that climate change is going to be bringing a lot of people up from the cities with second homes. Um, and, and even telecommuting homes, and that's going to be a huge issue as they sprawl through our woodlands around the state, and that's going to be driving. So we'll be, we'll be driving uh, the bus to protect our forests and our habitat um, and, and, and carefully direct that kind of growth. Thank you very much. Drella Mosh. Um, I approach this a little bit differently than Jim did. Vermont's known for its beautiful scenic beauty and outdoor pursuits, and so I was looking at this question as how are businesses preparing, and I was looking at this more as I'm watching many of the large resorts make their businesses year-round, so it's a destination to come. And I, I kind of look back at this as Vermont has a long history of being resilient, and they will rise and adapt to this circumstance, and we will come out all right. Well, you agree on the resiliency part. Uh, yes, we do. We agree on the resiliency. Yay. Kathleen. There's always some common ground somewhere. <laughs> you find it. Yep. <laughs> Kathleen O'Ryan, um, how can Vermont turn climate change to its advantage? I don't believe in climate change. Um, it's weather. Uh, weather changes. Uh, deal with it. Um, I don't really know what the question behind that question is. Maybe you could clarify that for me. Well, it's... Um, I think it hinges on believing that there is a, such a thing as climate change, that there is an inexorable change in the warming of the climate and that that has impact there are no on... I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Well, I'm just saying, just to, the assumption behind this is that that is right. a true thing, yeah. um, so, okay. so, so, so which that, you can test, so right, I understand. Well, so yeah. behind that, then, there is um, 
a belief in global warming. That's been proven a fraud. Um, it's just not true. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, so I think the question is, is as winters warm um, and snow melts um, and Vermont's economy is they, based on that, maybe they what warm, do we do? Maybe they warm where you live, but where I live in Williston, they get colder, it seems like. Got it. So I'm sorry, finish your sentence. No, that was, that, that was really just to clarify the question. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I think we're good, and we'll just ask Terry McKaig what he thinks about their opportunities <coughs> in excuse me um, climate change in Vermont. Well, um, Jim and, and uh, Joy have talked a little bit about what I would have said, but I think uh, you know we come from a state that uh, has a lot of innovation over the course of the years. So I would look for uh, our smart people to. Uh, think about innovations what are, that are needed to deal with uh, what I perceive as happening. I do believe that uh, the climate is changing. I do believe in global warming. Um, I had a uh, Siberian Husky when we first moved to Williston and at 20 below zero she would go out and lie on top of a 10-foot snowbank. We don't have either of those anymore uh, in this state. So uh, along with the, the opportunities for uh, our resort areas to uh, accommodate uh, people, tourists, year-round and not depend so much upon cold weather. I think that's good and Jim's comments um, are well taken as well. Thank you very much. So why don't we start then with, oh, you answered that question. Did you answer yeah, that? I, yes, I you did. did that yes. one. That's yeah. right. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> sorry. So we are going to start with Joy. I think that's right. Am I right? Yes. 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 Okay. So let's take the opioid epidemic. Um, are we making a dent in the local opioid epidemic and what do you think needs to happen next? I actually don't believe we're making a dent in the opioid crisis. The answer is not more services or safe rooms for shooting up. I believe we're in crea creating an environment of crime that's being accepted and tolerated. It's not helping people, it's enabling them to continue on a dangerous path and it's all at taxpayer expense. I think there needs to be more oversight of the services offered, and I also believe that there needs to be accountability for those who are breaking the law. Okay, very good. Thank you, Kathleen. This is a, a sore point with me. Um, Excellent. People that I know indirectly because they're neighbors of one sort or another, I don't want to go into that, were um, pretty much openly um, manufacturing. I don't know what it was, but I do know that it required some sort of acid to produce it. And I attempted to call various people. I called, I walked in, went into town one day and walked from office to office. And finally, um, as a last resort, I called the local police because I didn't want to have a police car in front of my place, uh, which would alert these people. Um, but actually, that is finally what got them to leave. So anyway, I feel really strongly about this business, um, I, very strongly. I, I don't know, tolerance is not in my book, I know that. Um, I just feel like these people are on the wrong path and they need to be guided off of it somehow. Um, and if they don't want to get off of it, well then I don't want to be too hard-hearted about it, but it feels a little bit like we're kind of babysitting them, but maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I'll pass it along to somebody else to answer. Okay. 
Terry McKegg, what do you think needs to happen next in fighting the opioid epidemic, and have we made any progress? So we've made some progress. Um, the governor is uh, quite uh, pleased with the hub and spoke uh, systems that we have in place. We have decreased the, um, the waiting lists essentially to zero here in Chittenden County and Franklin County, uh, which is uh, helping the people who want to be uh, cured of this addiction. We've also uh, worked with the physicians and, and passed uh, laws to say they should be limiting the amount of opioids that they're uh, prescribing. That seems to be working. The medical community seems to be uh, happy with the results of that. So we have made some uh, progress. We, in the course of the future, for people who want to get off of the, uh, the drugs, uh, we're going to need to provide some more resources for them. Whether that means facilities, I don't know, but we need to provide something for these folks so that, that they can get off of the, uh, the, the drugs that they're on. And this also goes along with mental health uh, facilities. Right now we still have a problem with mental health facilities and part of that is drug related uh, with lineups in the ERs for days and days, maybe weeks at a time. So we need to uh, start to think about addressing that. Thank you very much. Jim McCullough. Well, what, what Representative McKegg said for sure. And I would add, actually, even his committee has made progress in the Department of Corrections for treatment um, for inmates, for, for um, all manner of addictive uh, uh, issues. So um, the, the, the uh, Fish and Game Commissioner of Texas, when he was talking about the, the wild hogs, he says, we can't barbecue our way out of this one. And because they're rampant down there. We've got a, we don't have that problem, we have a rampant opioid problem, and we can't incarcerate. We cannot incarcerate our way out of this, and we can't hold that many people responsible, I think is what I heard here. Um, we need to help them. We need to help them get their lives back. And where does that money come from? That could be a rhetorical question, but we will be looking at uh, tax and regulate marijuana again um, in legislature. A new source of money, and the previous Senate versions have dedicated 100% um, of monies to, well, highway safety, and but otherwise to um, drug addiction problems of all types, not just marijuana, all types, as well as education and, and, and helping people become um, sober again for all types of addiction. All right, did you wanna hop on that? Yeah. I actually do. Yep. Um, the first comment was my understanding with the taxation of marijuana was that all that money was really going to the, it was going back into the marijuana itself. It wasn't going, there wasn't going to be excess money left to go over somewhere else. So unless I'm mistaken about that, that was one point. The other one is Vermont has one of the highest rates of babies addicted to opiates and heroin in the country. They're known as NAS babies. And we're only just beginning to see the long-term effect um, that that's causing and the rising costs. So I have a hard time sitting there saying we're making a big dent on what's going on here. It seems to be getting worse and our numbers are again, some of the highest in the nation. All right, let's move on to the next question, if that's all right. Or, yeah. um, agriculture, Vermont's remaining dairy farms are in life support. 
How important is this issue for our state and what needs to be done? Kathleen? Yeah, well, this, uh, this new agreement between Canada and um, our country and Mexico, um, well, I'm assuming that it will um, remove tariffs. Um, I'm not sure about that. I know in one particular instance, unfortunately, as far as the um, steel imports go, it's not, that's not going to happen uh, from Canada. But, uh, I guess that's all I can say. Right, very good. <laughs> Terry McKeg, your view on the future of dairy farming. So small dairy farms in Vermont are in trouble. I think there's no question about that. The legislature in the past, uh, by, by any last year actually, uh, set up a grant program for small farms uh, that uh, have had problems with the milk prices. So that's one way that we have dealt with on a very short-term basis and probably won't reoccur. So we have, with the, the president's uh, new um, uh, scheme, uh, there are mixed reviews by farmers in Vermont, which uh, read in the Free Press, I think, yesterday uh, about that. So I'm not sure that that will help. But I think we, we need to look at diversification in agriculture for small farms. Uh, what else can they do? If they're not doing maple uh, production, maybe they should be doing that. If they're not doing agritourism, maybe they should be doing that to bring in the dollars that they need in order to keep going. Uh, Christmas trees, you name it, there's a bunch of stuff that uh, can be done uh, for small farms in, in Vermont. Thank you very much. Jim McCullough, what should we be doing to support or not support dairy farms? Is this a thriving future for Vermont? Right. Dairy farming in Vermont is the iconic, the iconic activity. There used to be more cows than people. We were very proud of that. Um, we still need more people in the state of Vermont, bright young minds to come in here and support our economy and, 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 and grow, our, grow our quality of life here in Vermont. The, the dairy farmers in Vermont are on life support. They, they are um, losing money every time um, they milk a cow. And it is, I believe, um, absolutely necessary for the state to continue to help uh, dairy farmers with how they how they um, run their businesses through through their uh, agro agronomy programs um, with technical advice and 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 the diversification. Uh, University of Vermont is working very hard with farmers to do that as well. Uh, we're, we have been talking about small farmers here. Um, people would be a, a, amazed to know that we really only have a few large farm operations in Vermont. Most of them are medium, and the small farms are actually, I believe, the future of Vermont as the, uh, as the verti uh, vertical integration of large dairies and even the large medium dairies um, needs to be gotten away from. It's a banker's business. Thank you very much. I want to remind folks to give us a call at 862-3966 if you have any questions for our candidates for the Williston legislative seat. And uh, Joy, why don't you tell us how you think, um, how important dairy farming is for our state and what you suggest. 
Jim, you're going to be delighted to hear me say I agree with about 85% of what you said, um, and that it is the iconic background for Vermont. I think part of the problem that we're facing is the overregulation once again. I've watched firsthand as some of the farmers try to make their way through some of the grant processes or tax processes, and it's unbelievably onerous. Um, I do think the new trade agreement is going to be a big help. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Let's go on to a question about um, government effectiveness. and. Uh, I think, Terry, we begin with you. How do you rate the effectiveness of Vermont state government? And uh, what criteria do you use when you ask that question? And how do you think we could um, improve our decision making when we decide to spend money and create new laws? Well, having worked in state government for 38 years, uh, <laughs> I think uh, state government in general is uh, doing what it needs to be, to be doing. There are certain things that government should do certain things that government shouldn't do. Um, I think we have a pretty good balance uh, with in state government at this time. Uh, the governor in the last uh, two years has been looking for efficiencies in state government, asking um, the employees themselves as to what needs to be done. And um, I think some minor things have been uh, implemented in that time. The uh, Appropriations Committee, uh, I'm sure that people know that they examine every part of uh, state government and they take uh, a considerable amount of time to do that. They interviewed, interview all of the uh, commissioners, secretaries in state government and then pursue um, uh, questions on how efficient they are, uh, how much is being spent on particular parts of, of government and is anybody better off by, by this? So those are the criteria, some of the criteria that they use, and I think those are, are good. Some of the things that uh, they will review, and uh, quite often they will agree with the governor on a number of issues that come before them, uh, and some they don't. And that's where the governor proposes and the legislature disposes. So I think, uh, in general, we're doing okay. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, the efficiency um, is not always the, the only metric we should be looking at. Um, sometimes we, we, we need to get away from efficiency and look at the end product. Um, and if, it's, if there's any, I believe, any reason to have a government, it's for the benefit of the people and taking care of the people. And um, our current governor has been very careful with, with his budget and our um, legislature has responded each um, year with no increases, no new taxes, and, and budgets get vetoed anyway for different reasons being held hostage, which we won't go into. But our governor has been very efficient and our, our, our appropriations committee, very efficient. We were told if you're looking for $200, um, you better come in here with a good reason and how we're gonna find that other $200 to replace it. Um, that, was, that was last year. Um, $200, really? That, the, when you get down to the end of the product, that's what it gets down to because Vermont has a balanced budget. So, the Douglas administration um, rift a whole bunch of people, making us a lot more lean, 
and mean and and um, I don't think the Shumlin administration really um, did a ton to replace those people. We have more people, less people doing more work and have had now for quite a few years. I'm not seeing a lot more efficiency. We save our rubber bands actually in the state house and reuse them. All right, thank you. Joy Lamoche, how um, do you rate the effectiveness of Vermont state government? What I, criteria I think that it could be more effective. I think there are a lot of personal agendas and party politics that, that take place um, to the detriment of Vermonters as a whole. And again, I go back to, I think there's a huge lack of oversight, especially on the spending. Anything more you want to say? What criteria would you use if you were sitting to make a decision about a bill? I think it's really important to look how it affects Vermont as a whole, not just a particular region. So it's important you know, for our legislators here or today to be looking outside of Williston as well as looking within Williston itself. There's a lot of laws that get passed up in this portion of the state that are really, really difficult for the southern part of the state to do. So I think there needs to be a lot more of looking overall how this works. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Kathleen O'Ryan. Hi. So. Um, I wasn't aware that I could bring my notes, although I do remember working on this, but right now my mind is kind of blank, but I do re I remember something about um, going back to the Constitution and where the money should go, and then following that out to where it's going, but I, beyond that I can't remember a thing, so I'm sorry. I'm a little new to all this. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good evening. You have a question for the candidates. Uh, yes. I know where the uh, four candidates stand on state and federal um, term limits and whether they would support that uh, initiative or uh, where they stand in, in uh, cases where there are no uh, term limits imposed. Okay. Thank you very much. Does anybody need clarification on that question while we have the caller on the phone? All right. Very good. Thank you for calling. All right. Why don't we start with you then, Jim? Well, um, this is a popular uh, popular question. The, the answer I have is we do, are talking, and your question did, state and federal. Our entire federal system is based on seniority, and a freshman uh, congressman or woman um, occupies oxygen space and a seat and, and, and struggles to get even recognized. And as that person works their way through multiple um, re-elections and, and multiple years of service, then their seniority starts to count and gives them better positions in this, you know, which mean more effective spots for uh, to get business done. Its term limits are would would dis, would totally upend that system, and I I don't see how it would improve it. In state legislature in Vermont, we do not have a seniority system like that. Um, however, um, there, you know, there is a thing called um, accumulated knowledge, and and um, people, I see people come in um, full of fire and you know what, and 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 discover it's not black and white. That, that there are people who've been there who have institutional knowledge that can be really useful. And so I don't support term limits uh, for Fed or for the state of Vermont. Thank you very much. Joy Lamoche, where do you stand on term limits? I think term limits are crucial to effective government. I think that without them, 
Um, you need the new blood that comes through. Government was designed to be a service. You're elected to serve for a period of time, and then you go back to your regular job. So it wasn't meant to be a career. And I think that without those term limits and without new ideas and new blood coming in, you get stagnant and you get into that same old pattern. Thank you very much. Kathleen O'Ryan, where do you stand on state and federal term limits? I agree with both of the uh, previous two speakers. Um, on the one hand, it's a good thing to know what you're doing. And yet, the original idea, as laid out by the Founding Fathers, was that you put your plow down, go work in the legislature, and then come home, and that's it. So, um, as far as what I feel is that it seems like the more you're there, the better you can be at it. Um, at the, on the other hand, it's really a sticky issue because then on the other hand, um, someone coming in who's fresh and new and been schooled and educated and knows what they're doing, um, I think maybe that would be the solution to that problem. It seems like it carries a certain amount of weight. Thank you very much. Terry McKegg, where do you stand on term limits for state and federal positions? So if the federal government, <coughs> legislature, Congress, decided that uh, seniority no longer counted, then I'd say, fine. Until they do, uh, I would go along with, uh, the, with no term limits on the federal basis. Uh, if you look at uh, the amount of funds that are brought into a small state like Vermont, that probably wouldn't get any money uh, if we didn't have a seniority system, uh, then uh, we'd be in tough shape. So I would not uh, support a uh, term limit on the feds. In the state system, uh, we're up for re-election every two years and that's a term limit right there. So if somebody doesn't like what we're doing, that takes care of, of, of that. Now there are a number of places in the state, both uh, run by Democrats and Republicans that are not contested, and that's too bad, but that's the people's choice. Thank you very much. So, Joy Lamoche, we'll start with you, and also I just remind folks, thanks so much for the calls, we love them. Our number is 862-3966. We're speaking with candidates for the town of Williston, the district of Williston, the house seats there. There are two open house seats, and uh, they're currently occupied by incumbents, but they are in play and we are discussing different positions here related to those seats. So Joel Amosh, could you talk to us about education and how do we maintain um, a quality of education with a declining school age population? I think that now is definitely the time to consolidate. Um, like you said, with that declining population, we seem to have a surplus of teachers and aides. I think in consolidating this, we might be able to save some resources and save some taxpayer money. All right, thank you very much. Kathleen O'Ryan, what's your view on education and maintaining it in a declining population? I believe it's somewhat similar to Joy's position. Um, mine would be um, that with less students, you get a better education. So that was my first thought when I was looking over the questions beforehand, that um, I believe, really, I really believe in one-on-one -on -one, uh, teaching, and I believe in letting children explore um, their own path in life rather than being told um, what to do and so on. In other words, I have a, my idea of education is probably a little bit different from everyone else. I don't automatically assume that being in a school is the best way to bring a person up into their full potential. 
Thank you very much. Terry McKay, what would you um, do to maintain the quality of education in the face of a declining school age population? So it's been mentioned, uh, I think, by three folks now that consolidation is the, uh, the, the thing to continue, and I would agree with that, uh, that uh, we need to follow Act 46 and, and uh, bring that to a conclusion. The problem is with the small schools and uh, their efforts to maintain local control, and that's going to be a fight in the legislature um, again this year. Uh, but I do agree that uh, that consolidation is the way to go. In the past uh, session, we talked, did some things with special education to allow more flexibility within the schools districts themselves, and uh, we seem we have gotten good feedback from them uh, on this, which would appears to be um, a way to save some money and to provide better education for both special education folks and um, the regular students. Thank you very much. Jim McCullough, your view on maintaining quality education? We, we absolutely need to um, stay the course on Act 46, uh, the consolidation legislation that, that uh, many people were terrified about uh, when it, when it um, was signed into law, but, but immediately jumped way out ahead of, of anyone's expectations for, for district, new districts being formed. We need to stay the course on that. And <laughs> we are not just talking about saving money, we're talking about better outcomes and we need to keep our eye on that prize, better outcomes. And you know, uh, uh, this, th this goes back to cutting, cutting, cutting. We need we need wages in the state of Vermont that are livable wages. We need um, health care that is only as good as our congressmen and women have. We need we need to have programs that that um, that support um, uh, family sick leave, paid family sick leave, uh, paid family leave, and sick leave. Bringing more young. Have I said it already? Uh, beautiful young families with their babies to Vermont. We want to have you people. Come on up. I'm hoping you're listening. Uh, we're getting there. And that'll help the balance between uh, gray beards <laughs> and, and young people. And if perhaps the answer is getting some more young people into our schools. All right. Thank you very much. So um, I'm going to go to the equity question and start with you, Kathleen. What will you do to dismantle the systematic and institutional racism in Vermont? Whoa. <laughs> okay, I was completely unaware of that, so maybe we form our own reality. Um, I have not seen that whatsoever. The only symptom of uh, unrest I've seen was um, what I suspect was a um, orchestrated protest in which people of color were protesting in the middle of Burlington one day as I was walked by. And it was unclear to me what they were protesting about. Um, and I, I just simply haven't seen it. So I, maybe I'm a babe in the woods on that. Okay, thank you. Terry, do you recognize that there's institutional racism in Vermont and what role will you play as legislator to address it? So we've seen this on a couple of fronts. We saw it in Bennington recently with a legislator who uh, resigned 
because of uh, racial um, slander. Uh, we've also seen it in uh, police um, responses to um, uh, stoppings and things like that. It, it, I go back to a uh, film, I think it was probably The King and I, where the, the teacher was singing, and I'll spare you the singing, but uh, <laughs> she said, saying that you have to be carefully taught. You have to be carefully taught to hate before you're six or seven or eight. And now we have an administration in Washington that says you should hate Mexicans because they're murderers and rapists. You should hate uh, uh, anyone who um, doesn't believe the, the, the way you do. And it seems like we need to get back to education of our youth that people are not bad, people are good. There are some bad people, but it doesn't follow along with racial um, uh, with the racial uh, folks. Lauren, my goodness. Um, I have to have my ignorance show here. Back in 2004, um, when I was in Leadership Champlain, I met a very beautiful person, Hal Colston. Hal, by the way, is a write-in candidate in Winooski, and I'm hoping we'll be here at this table. He said, Jim, it's against the law to drive while black in Vermont. And I'm going, really? I mean, oh, I, knew it, I knew it wasn't a statutory law, but that happens to still be the case. Um, we have institutional racism, systemic racism. We have just outright bigotry. It's reared its head on the floor of the house as in the past six years when we've been working at uh, better policing practices. Um, we've had people standing up and saying there is no problem. Um, and and, and in, spite of, in spite of the statistics that show there is a problem. So we did vote um, a systemic raci racism study. Um, it, and um, it finally made it through in the special session. It came out of the Government Operations Committee on a party line vote. Six, five. And if that's not proof of systemic racism, right in our legislature, I'm sure I don't know what is. We have an issue in Vermont, and it absolutely needs to be addressed. Thank you. Joy? I, I guess I'm a little bit more with Kathleen. While I certainly see instances of it, I don't see it to the same level that, that Jim's playing it out on. More of what I see is uh, folks getting so overly sensitive about things that seems to be the first card they raise in an argument when they're not winning it. Um, I think that Vermont has shown, especially Chittenden County I can speak for, has shown a, a pretty big no tolerance for that sort of, of prejudicial activity. So I just don't see it to the same degree that they do. All right, well we have some time for closing comments. Okay, so we're gonna start um, with Terry, I think, okay. right. All right, could you start, uh, you have closing comments, you've got about a minute. Sure, so thank you very much for uh, having this forum. It's been uh, great to have different ideas uh, floated be uh, before us, and that's what elections are about. So uh, between now and November 6th, you have the opportunity to get an absentee ballot, uh, to vote early, uh, or come to the polls uh, in Williston. 
uh, when you do, uh, please consider uh, casting a vote for me. Thank you very much. Jim McCullough. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Channel 17. Public access. People need to know what's happening. This is a very important part of the system. If you don't know what's happening and you go to the polls um, and just shoot a dart at a balloon, uh, um, it's not that useful. So thank you so very much. Yes, I am Representative Jim McCullough, and I've been Representative Jim McCullough um, for 16 years. I'm doing a good job. I'm having a good time doing it. I'm representing Williston very well. And by the way, I, I uh, learned this from a great old Republican, Henry Gray from Barrie. Um, I'm the representative, he said, from Barrie. I say from Williston. I'm the representative from Williston, but I work for the state. So I, I look to take care of the entire state of Vermont um, and, and as well as the town of Williston. I appreciate your support all these years and, and again in November. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joy Lamos, your closing comments. Taxes, jobs, economy, family safety, those are all the things I'm hearing about on the campaign trail. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here and share the time and talk with these views. Um, if you're ready for a change and someone who's going to advocate fiercely for being, bringing prosperity back to Vermonters, I respectfully ask for your vote on November 6th. Thank you very much. Kathleen O'Ryan. Well, um, I would love to um, be in the legislature. Um, I fully respect these gentlemen who are present today. They are obviously highly qualified and also Joy. Um, they are all tremendously qualified. So I was basically filling a space, but if you want to vote for me anyway, go ahead. <laughs> all right, well, thank you very much. I'd like to thank the four candidates here for the two House seats in Williston in um, District, remind me again? Two, <laughs> District 2. There are many of them. Um, we're actually here at Channel 17 covering 100 candidates and 30 forums. So this will be a very exciting month. So stay tuned here at Channel 17. And don't forget to vote on November 6th. And you have the opportunity to vote early by going to your town or city clerks and requesting a ballot even now, I think, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just about now. So um, vote early. And thanks so much for watching.